1: Jordan, now it's shakes Stray, gets two! Oh, Gilmore on oh. oh. the ball! Oh! brother, lead Toledo artist, you get 21. 4.28 to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Berry. Jordan, open, Chicago with the lead!
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann, and with me, as always, is Rich Kreich. Rich, great to be with you. Yes, great to be back. And we are going to start a little series on the top seven, top game sevens of uh, all time. And we're going to start off with the... uh, the early rounds, the uh, the first two rounds of this series, uh, the first round's really only been seven games since 2003. So there isn't quite as much um, going out there. And of course, the way that um, playoffs is, have expanded over the years it just kind of made sense to combine these two into uh, one unit. But we will do the conference finals and eventually the uh, finals uh, in, mm-hmm. in a few weeks here. So uh, but this is fun. This has been kind of uh, some interesting stuff to research. Yeah, the research has been, been a lot of fun. It's, it's allowed me to
1: watch a lot more kind of videos and highlights of these different games and stuff. And some I remember, some I don't. Uh, some I remembered some stuff about and then some I didn't remember anything. It, it, it's been pretty cool though just to kind of go through and watch them I and the research has been fun too seeing a little bit of you know how these teams got this way you know what happened afterwards what happened in that game because you know we, we tend to focus on this you know podcast we p- focus a lot on like a big career and big overall sense it's kind of fun to sometimes focus on just one game and really look at everything that goes into that one game and the individual performances of that game too because yeah so often we're looking at you know 10 years of history 20 years of history that sort of stuff I mean it, it, it's fun to just kind of really focus and, and, and kind of hone in on one particular game. So Yeah,
0: and there's some fun what if scenarios that kind of go on. There's some fun um, you know, just sort of marking like, oh, okay, this is kind of how you know, this run of this team, um, ended or began or, you know, or this is okay. If this had just happened here, maybe this would have happened, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think we'll, we'll get into some of that with the uh, seven games that we picked, but yeah, yeah I, I want to go through some of the honorable mentions. Um, you know, we looked at a lot of games. We, we kind of, you know, looked at all the game seven, just kind of narrowed down based on the, on, uh, the, you know, uh, games games obviously were close at had a, had a short scoring margin. Um, also we, you know, we talked about, um, historical importance, uh, great individual performances, uh, notable moments. And, you know, we also included some variety to spice it up because we didn't really want every, um, series to, uh, you know, involve the Celtics and the Lakers, although plenty of them still do <laughs> because, uh, it's really hard. It's really,
1: really, really hard, especially like an NBA finals thing is like, man, there's two, there's just so much of those two teams in, in big spots. And then in a lot of clutch, like game sevens too. So it's, it's really, really hard to figure out. Uh, to, to to not have you know half the things be Celtics Lakers, but I think we did an okay job. Yeah, I I, I, that, I so. believe
0: so. I uh, I think the listeners will enjoy it. So, so, so some of the uh the honorable mentions, the uh, Lakers and Bulls of uh, '73. Uh, this is sort of the last hurrah of the uh, Wilt and West uh, Lakers. They went to the finals but lost to the Knicks that year. Um. And then in 79, in the um, in the Eastern Conference, the Spurs and the 76ers, yes, the uh, Spurs were in the Eastern Conference for a few years. Uh, a duel between George Gervin, who had 33 points, and Julius Serving with 34. The uh, 76ers uh, won uh, that, or, uh, excuse me, the Spurs actually uh, won that uh, series, but then lost to Washington in the conference finals. Uh, The uh, Sonics and Bucks of uh, 1980, Gus Williams had 33 points, um, an extremely close series throughout. This is the last year for the Bucks in the West. It was also the last year kind of marking the end of the line for the Sonics as contenders. Uh, After the season, Dennis Johnson was traded and Gus Williams held out for a season. So interesting to kind of think of them as, you know, if they'd have kind of stuck out, um, yeah, longer, how, you know, they would have, the Lakers would have had to deal with them in the early eighties and, uh, the bucks too, you know, if the bucks hadn't moved out West, that would be interesting to see, you know, how their ceiling would have changed. Cause the East during their, at that time was tougher. Um, and there's also the uh, Blazers and Spurs in 1990, Terry Porter at 36 points. And it, you know, it, uh, ended with a, uh, Rod Strickland with a, um, a two handed behind the back pass that that uh Sean Elliott did not catch and led to um led to the Spurs um or led to the Blazers could be winning that um that game. Uh that that season was the uh, the Spurs had a thirty five uh improved their record by thirty five games. Um yeah. and- kind of set the stage for the 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 next
1: God. <laughs> I mean what would that be the next what what are we at now of, of the Spurs being a pretty damn good team outside of you know one little blip here and there yeah um, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean this is this is basically I mean yeah they weren't like super contenders at this right. point but this was basically the changing in the guard of hey Robinson's a really good player and this is you know a, a decent team till yeah god uh, you only have that 97 98 or, or rather the uh the 96 97 year yeah. is really the only other one that hasn't been like uh, yeah it's, pretty okay in the last like what
0: thir- what are we at now what's that 1990 yeah that's 26 god, years yeah. so yeah, that's unbelievable yeah I, I, yeah I mean other than yeah I, they, I bet they've won close to 50 games every other season um you know since then which is yeah pretty amazing um yeah, let me let me see here real quick i'm gonna, I'm gonna look because I, I never really thought of it in that
1: like kind of context of because you forget that they just so easily transition from like one superstar to the next it's it's really not fair it is not uh fair. yeah <laughs> it's, yeah let's see here since uh okay so that was 56 and they won 55 47 49 55 62 59 uh the aforementioned the 96 97 where they won 20 then it was 56 37 but that was the lockout shortened year yeah. um 53 58 58 60 57 59 63 58 56 54 50 51
0: 61 50 58 uh, 62 55 so yeah. life is not fair other than that 97 other than that <laughs> right, 97 that the worst winning percentage they had is 573
1: yeah 20, that's wins. Uh,
0: yeah that doesn't seem wow. fair <laughs> i don't i don't like that i had forgotten that it went that far back you know i don't like that so. that's not nice <laughs> And, That's really not nice. That's not very thoughtful, San Antonio. And then a couple of, uh, Sonics Rockets, uh, games in, uh, 93, the Sonics, uh, winning that series and, um, and, uh, with a, uh, Sam Perkins, a fadeaway jumper to win in overtime. And then in 97, uh, the Houston, uh, earning it back, um, Clyde Drexler had two free throws in the final 20 seconds. This was the first season the Rockets had Barkley, and then the last year before Kemp was traded by the Sonics. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the Knicks and Heats, they had three – I think they had three playoff series uh, <laughs> in a row. Lots of ugly basketball there. Lots of uh, – <laughs> Combined th- points yes. of 200 points Yeah, this was 83. Games, right, Exactly. Uh. Uh, the Wolves and Kings in 2004, it's kind of forgotten, but the uh, this was kind of like the end of the Kings, uh, line as you know, like yeah. a, an elite, um, team. And Kevin Garnett in that game had 32 points, 21 rebounds. Um, and uh, the Jazz and Rockets in 2007, uh, Darren Williams at 20 and 14, Boozer at 35 and 14, and then T Mac had 29, 5 and 13, and Yao at 29 and 6. So, uh, you know, kind of a, a it, you know, um, Both those teams, I think, sort of kind of had, you felt like at certain different times in the late 2000s, each of those teams had a chance to sort of be a contender, and it didn't really happen for either one for various reasons, but um, it's kind of a nice little, um, you know, like, oh, you know, what could have been kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and people forget that. I mean, we we see the Darren Williams now and stuff. I mean, this is a guy who was a legit, I would say, a, a legit bona fide star at yeah. that point. I mean, this is—you look at this series, you look at other series, you just look at his career, and that it's that like you know, like you said, that 2007 to maybe like a 2009 is. You look at a guy who was right up. I mean, it was like Chris Paul, Darren Williams. It was like one and one. You know, like yeah. well, legit yeah. had argument. I, I, I agree. I I would always have taken Chris yeah. Paul and always that I did, but there were people making that argument, and, yeah, and, and it wasn't like if you said that now, people would would have you burned at the right. stake, but. You know, then it wasn't.
0: Ri- I, I it was it was silly, but it wasn't ridiculous for like, a half a se- yeah. for like a half a season, or a season or so. Yeah, it wasn't ridiculous. I I, I would have always taken Paul, but you're right. Exactly. I, no, I'm I'm right with yeah. you. But
1: no, I always yeah. Not that I predicted this would happen with Darren Wood, but I always but. never really. I always thought Paul was the better player, but yeah, no, it was legit that he was he was he was. He was a good point yeah. guard, really, really top tier point guard. Now he's, and, now it's just Aaron
0: Williams. Yeah. He's just kind of there. Yeah. And he, <laughs> you know. and he before the injuries, you know, and, and McGrady, right. you know, he was battling the injuries, but when he, when he could deliver, he certainly still did. So, and the last one was of, um, 2014 last year, the Nets versus yeah. Raptors, Pierce, uh, hitting the game winner and extremely uh, loud air Canada center. And, uh, You know, all all the antics of, um, you know, Toronto and uh, and the Nets that are sort of being repeated uh, this year uh, with the uh, Raptors and Wizards. uh, Well, more more pompous against Canada, I guess, than anything. That's the uh, (laughs) biggest (laughs) thing. So. Um, So, yeah, those are the those are the ones that we uh, those are our runners up, so to speak. Didn't quite make the cut, but yeah, but. Good job on that, right? So, thank you for thank you for coming and thank you for playing. Thank you for so. performing. So, <laughs> so the uh, the first selection is from 1981. It is the uh, Rockets uh, versus the Spurs. Uh, the Rockets won 105 to 100 um calvin mercy calvin murphy excuse me was the uh, standout of this game he had 42 points on uh, 19 field goal attempts uh you know there's a highlight package that's uh, pretty grainy but it shows you know basically his performance in the entire game and it's interesting because it was very much like he he just made a lot of jumpers a few drives to the basket but you know not, not none of this like you know fancy finishes you know going in at the rim kind of stuff i mean it's mostly like it, it, it's it, it's very simple, but obviously it mm-hmm. works really well. And uh, and Murphy was you know he was five ten. He was a he was a smaller guy, but you know he really he, at least production wise was you know a a rather good player for you know a, a decent chunk of time.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I watched the highlight a little bit uh, earlier, and yeah, as you said, there's nothing. It's like the it, it's, it's a really dominating performance, but a lot of it is just him like kind of going baseline and going around a screen and just yeah. like grabbing it and shooting and like just taking a lot of shots and and, and making a lot of them, and that's really what. What did it? It wasn't really like if you watch it. And, and again, it's it's with you know the context of watching a highlight versus that. But it's not a very like as you said. It's not like he's dunking over ten guy. You know, it's not like he's d- doing an insane like just absolute domination with. We'll, we'll see sometimes these games where we watch the highlights and it's just like you know one or two guys really standing out. Him and eh, just making some shots. That's it. Just kind of <laughs> run of the mill game for him. And and uh, interesting story too because yeah, he wasn't uh, probably not the least uh, not the most likely guy to have a dominating game.
0: Yeah, I mean he was kind yeah. of a heat check guy. So I mean he you know he yeah. occasionally have the scoring. Sp- spurts but um but yeah this is definitely i i I think the most notable performance of his career um yeah and this was um the year that you know the rockets were 40 and 42 they were the sixth seed but they had they had upset the uh, lakers in the first round of three game series they would end up making the uh, finals this year and uh, you know arguably this um the spurs were a slightly lesser team this season but you know it was a seven game series so i arguably this was a A more um, impressive upset than the you know than the uh, Lakers series Um, because yeah I think three games is kind of fluky but seven games you know you you know you really have to you know perform outwards. and um, it's interesting that Calvin Murphy's last points in the game were with six minutes left to play, um, <laughs> and then they just got away from him. Well, uh, ah, we're going to try to
1: move the ball I somewhere mean, else. He, he was really <laughs>
0: tired. <laughs> yeah. uh, you yeah. know, they, they mentioned <laughs> the fatigue. He played like you know his uh, season high in limits because he actually came off the bench for most of the series. Um, right, and that, that's why I kind of mentioned that he was an
1: interesting case to have. You know, a forty-plus point game. So
0: right. So um, and um. Moses Malone, he had 21 points in the game, but he was battling the flu. So, uh, impressive performance with uh, him. The Rockets uh, won, this game seven was one on the road. They actually won three out of the four games in uh, San Antonio. Um, And, um, yeah, I mean, the largest lead of the game was Houston up 97-90. Then San Antonio, Gervin helped them kind of come back. And uh, eventually, the uh, the Rockets just you know won the free throw line, and um, so I, you know this isn't necessarily a game that had necessarily had a whole lot of drama, but I think the circumstances of um, you know Murphy's performance, uh, the um, you know the Rockets just being the huge underdog and and being able you know to perform well in this game, and I, I just sort of the interesting yeah. blip here I thought made it worthy of inclusion on this list.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, being coached by Del Harris, too, which is pretty interesting. Go. It was pretty fun. And then, yeah. And then the fact that what I always thought was pretty cool about this particular team in this particular, like, you know, maybe series or whatever, is that, you know, they go to seven games with the Spurs. and Then the next round, you know, these are still the, the, as you mentioned, the 40 and 42 Rockets. They dominate the Kansas City Kings. They win 4-1 and then go to the NBA Finals and then take two away from the Celtics yeah, as well, which is right. Just, I mean, this yeah. is not like it's it's it, like you said, the three game. OK, anything can kind of happen in three games. You can get two lucky, whatever. But then to go seven games, then you're like, okay, well, now they're at their, you know, they've peaked. There's no way they can do any better. And then they go and just dominate the next round and then have
0: a pretty good performance in the finals, yeah, too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Didn't get, like, swept or anything. So it's it's a it's a very interesting year. It's kind of funny how, you you know, 40 and 42 can, how that can, you know. And, and what I think is kind of funny, and we'll maybe we'll get to that in a little bit, is, you know, this sort of thing, I don't know if it could happen anymore just because the flukiness of that first round. We, we got now going seven games in the first round, you pretty much, other than a few times every so often pretty much the best team is always going to win or not necessarily the best team but the team you kind of assume whereas this you know in three games you can get kind of fluky I, I kind of like that idea sometimes y- yeah I, not, I don't want one game playoffs or anything like that I think that's insane but it's kind of fun to have I mean, even the five games I I, I didn't mind because you, you can kind of get a few you know cheap wins in there or whatever but then again in the NBA I do enjoy just watching the best teams you know battle for the championship and not necessarily you know a fluky storyline or whatever, but either way,
0: that, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I mean, I admit there's some excitement about it, but I I do sort of like the fact that they're all seven games that that you know, you you really really have to earn it to win the title, you know? Yeah, when that and then what's cool too is that if you do get one of those upsets, I feel like it does mean a lot. It means like
1: really, ri- I mean, it, it's versus where you know right now we're talking about the fluke of the Houston Rockets, even though hey, if in a seven game series they might have still won, but because they only won it in three, we kind of assume it as being you know kind of fluky or whatever. So it, it's yeah, I I I'm sort of on the fence. I see see the reason why you would want it to sort of be you know some underdogs have some chances but again i i don't really care i just like seeing the best players and the best teams fight for the championship i don't need a uh i don't need like butler in the national title game or whatever i can i can survive without yeah, that
0: so yeah. that's... different game so um the uh, the next one is the uh, the miracle of Richfield, uh, the Cavs and the Bullets in 1976, the Cavs winning um, 87 to 85 on a uh, a Dick Snyder dribble drive past one Wes Unseld uh, hitting a uh, winning shot over uh, Phil Chenier. Uh <laughs> The highlight itself is not particularly impressive, but um, <laughs> just the. You know, this was this was the the first time the Cavs were in the playoffs. They'd only been playing for I, I think six seasons, um, and you know they were kind of like you know they didn't have any All Stars on their team that season. Um, they didn't really have, you know, like like big names. they actually, you know, they were a good... A lot of gyms. They had like three gyms, I think, or three or four gyms. Yes. Like. I mean, yeah, they had Jim Clemens, Jim Brewer, and Jim Jones, uh, classic, who was probably their best player. Um, <laughs> Campy Russell, uh, Bingo Smith, uh, Nate Thurman, but he was at the end of his career. Um, Austin Carr and uh, Foots Walker were, uh, were there as well. Good old Foots Walker. And... Um, and they just had kind of come together. A lot of the guys had Ohio ties like Jim Clemens and Luke Witt had played at Ohio state. Nate Thurman was from Akron, uh, you know, um, Campy Russell and Dick Snyder were from, had played high school ball in Canton. So, you know, it, it was just sort of like a, um, you, the, the reputation was, they were kind of like this blue collar team that, um, you know, kind of, you, you know, took the uh, city by storm, so to speak. So, um, and, um, then that the Cavs were actually able to uh, the the Bullets were able to try to get a last second shot, but it it missed and uh and then it's just crazy how the fans like rush the court and yeah, yeah. and you know, tear down the baskets and it's just like one of a you know I mean, obviously you don't see that anymore and for good reason but it is sort of like just uh, exciting to see. Um yeah, the uh the Bullets had been the champs of the East uh the previous uh season and they had Alvin Hayes, Wes Unseld, uh Shaneer who was a three-time All-Star. They'd actually added Dave Bing in the uh offseason. So in theory they were better, but they were not as good of a regular season team and um fell off here. And then the uh the cavs ended up um playing the uh the celtics in the uh, conference finals but their but jim Jones, who was their center he broke his foot uh 2 days before the uh finals began uh which basically like you know obviously ended their chances and boston ended up winning the title mm-hmm. interesting to uh wonder if they could have you know beaten boston in that series uh, uh but w- what a you know terrible break and, and you know the um of course you know the cavs um really other than this this is pretty much a blip in like a you know a really bad first 20 years or yeah. so of uh, before you know the the mark price uh days and um and you know now they're sitting pretty of course with lebron but um but it just sort of it, this is i guess um it's an exciting play um and it's sort of a you know it it's it's cleveland uh basketball lore and i i, I think it's um it sort of has enough of that local character that I think it makes it sort of a um, interesting addition to our list.
1: Yeah absolutely uh next one on the list is the 76ers raptors from uh, 2001 and this is the famous uh vince carter pump fake missed shot game and it's also famous for uh a bunch of other reasons as well of course the the morning of and and this was a big controversial point for vince carter and kind of his career in toronto is the morning of this game uh carter attended his graduation ceremony at north carolina he had never officially graduated and never you know took a few more classes and was ready to kind of graduate and get his degree um some people saw this you know in a negative light some people saw it in a positive light uh a lot of people did it in hindsight after he, you know he missed the shot then it was oh well he wasn't focused or he, you know stuff like that and it's, it's it's kind of interesting in that but yeah it, it's kind of interesting circumstances so the morning of he you know he goes to chapel hill he, he um he ducks out before the commencement address was over, uh, and he was back in Philadelphia for the Raptors 1230 meeting. So he didn't miss anything. Uh, he, he ate with the team. He took his afternoon nap. Uh, he, you know, he was he, he did everything that he would normally do on a game day. He just, in that morning, woke up early and, and kind of went to Chapel Hill and, and did something he really thought was important. And I have some quotes later on where he talks about how important that was to him to get his degree. And he always mentioned to his mother, you know, that was a big deal for her. And 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 he felt good doing that, and that's something he personally chose to do. But, of course, that would be uh, a point of contention later in his career or, you know, later in this night uh of course uh the famous thing of this is you know he, he missed a shot with 2 seconds left uh it was it wasn't really a gimme shot if you watch it he, he he you know he went for a pump fake he got the guy up in the air i forgot who it was i think it was Jermaine uh, was Tyrone Hill wrong. i think oh that was oh it was Tyrone Hill okay which is is impressive cuz Tyrone Hill's a big guy so it was actually a really good call by the Sixers to put Tyrone Hill on him it was a really good call to get Carter open it was a really good call for him to pump fake cuz he had it and then he was you know he pretty much had a a, a relatively good look at it uh 18 footer it's um it bounced off uh, the back of the, uh, uh, the rim. And then uh, I, I found one quote where it was kind of interesting and this was immediately following the game. And it, I don't know who, uh, who said it, it was kind of a, a anonymous quote, but it said, uh, it made you wonder how much he wanted it, which is interesting because <laughs> Vince Carter had a pretty good game. Uh, he was six of 18 from the floor for 20 points, nine assists and seven rebounds uh, to go with three steals. So, you know, we kind of hyper react to like that one shot and how he wasn't, fo- but I mean, he had a pretty decent game without that. And if you, if you watch the highlights too, it's like, he's, very clearly the you know the, the Raptors best player uh, a few other guys you have Antonio Davis who had a great game 23 points nine rebounds um and then two of the other uh Toronto starters really didn't do much Evan Williams and Morris Peterson they didn't reach double figures uh you know you had Charles Oakley on this team you had a few they, they just weren't they weren't very deep and the, and the, the Sixers weren't you know much deeper on their own but it, a lot of the team it was Vince Carter's team for a lot you know a lot they, they don't get to that game without Vince Carter so it's kind of funny now that people kind of hyper react um a few other quotes about that last shot, and I'm focusing on that because that was really, I think, the, the, the prevailing moment from this. Uh, it's Lenny Wilkins, who was the head coach of the Raptors at the time. He said, uh, uh, when we got into the huddle, uh, getting ready for that last shot. Um, oh, sorry. This is from Oh, sorry, this is from Carter. So, sorry. Uh, Carter said that when we got in the huddle, he said, I, I, you know, Coach, I want the ball, and, and and said, you know, I had everything ready. I pump fake, swing through, uh, but halfway through it looked good and ended up hitting the back of the rim. So, Carter, you know, says, Coach, give me the ball. I want to do it. It feels like he's got a good shot and of course it doesn't, you know, doesn't go through, it doesn't go in. Uh, and it kinda changed a lot of what would happen in the history of you know, Vince Carter and, you know, a few years later he'd be out of Toronto. Uh, it's still kind of, I, now I think they've kind of gotten over it, but for a while, really vilified by the the Toronto fan base for kind of giving up on the team, which he did in a sense. you know, his last few years there were not good. And he was sulking and wanted to be traded and a bunch of other, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, this, this really was kind of the, the end of the honeymoon in in a lot of ways for Vince Carter and, you know, Toronto Raptors, uh, but not taking away anything from the, the 76ers is a big game for them as well. Of course, they went to the finals this year, uh, on the back of Allen Iverson. um, you know, uh, Iverson had 21 points in here, but I think the most important part of this game for Iverson, and if you watch the highlights, it's pretty interesting as well, is that he had 16 assists. And when you watch that and you, you think of, you know, Allen Iverson having 16 assists, Toronto smartly enough, and, and that absolutely would be the strategy I would do too, put like two or three guys on Iverson every time he drove the ball. Every time he touched the ball, somebody abandoned their guy to go on to Iverson, which, to be honest, I, I probably would have done the same thing as well. But it led to a lot of good games for a few guys. Um, Aaron McKee had 22 points. Uh, and then the shocking, uh, Jermaine Jones had what Doug Collins called his his breakout game during this game it was pretty great. He goes, "This is the breakout game of Jermaine Jones." I was like, oh eh, well, okay, no, maybe not." But he had 16 points on six and nine shooting, so he had a really good game as well. And of course, this is the year that they, uh, the Sixers, had to Kemba Mutombo. Uh, he had 10 points and 17 rebounds to lead them. And then this is, I mean, this both team, either team that got through, I thought it would have been a big deal for either one because this is a big deal for the Sixers as well to kind of get there and 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 defeat Toronto and get into that next round. Because they felt they had a great team, and Allen Iverson was probably at his peak at this year, and and it just kind of all worked out. You know, he won the MVP that year and all other good stuff. But yeah, this is this is kind of the famous game for that last shot, and then a lot of you know what went into that last shot, and a lot of what happened with Vince Carter, you know, afterwards. And and what were your kind of thoughts on on his going to the graduation? Do you see that as a not focused thing or something that is kind of okay? Yeah, I
0: think it's fine. I, I think it's silly to, um, like, like, I guess in retrospect, if he hits that shot, nobody cares. Well, absolutely not. <laughs> and, and I guess in retrospect, because like there was other stuff that um, led you to like doubt like his commitment to Toronto mm-hmm. into playing and all that I mean basically he admitted to uh, basically dogging it to get traded so um so it sort of fits in with that you know w- with with later behavior but without that yeah I, I mean and, it, and no I think you know I think going to your your college graduation is pretty important and um so it, it I you know I it, obviously it's impossible to know whether um, it would have made any difference but i i yeah i i think it's i think it's silly criticism
1: yeah i agree and then um yeah of course this is uh as i mentioned the the, the Sixers would uh you know beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals and go to the NBA Finals where they would lose to the uh, Los Angeles Lakers and Toronto would um you know they'd have a few decent years after that, but then it would, like I said, the bloom was kind of off the rose, and a few years later, you know Vince Carter was gone, and they went through their kind of relative down period, you know with Chris Bosh and Andre Bar- Bargnani or whatever. And they're they're finally gotten out of it now, and they're a consistently pretty good team, and you know a consistent playoff team. But uh, a lot of ill will towards Vince Carter kind of after this. This was a big point in 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 the changing of the guard where he could really almost do no wrong, and then it sort of it became, hey, you know, are we gonna be a title team with this guy as our best player? And and you know, ended up not being the case. But, uh, yeah, this is I, – I, I really I, – I don't know if you watched the highlights of this. But it's a really fun game to sort of watch. And, and one thing that – and I've mentioned it before on the podcast – Early 2000s basketball man is ugly. <laughs> it is like so bad. Like like guys just and 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 it might be we're kind of spoiled now and the game is so fluid and crisp now and and it's almost to an extent kind of boring now because everybody's kind of really good at what they do and really good at like spacing and the the coaching's really good. but this is yeah. just like a shit like guys are bumping into each other. Nobody cares about a possession. They're just like chucking the ball over the place. They're all fighting over long twos. They're like bumping into each other to take an 18-footer and it's just like you forget like how You know how coached and how crisp and all that stuff. Today's game is when you watch now and you take for granted, you know, this floor spacing and all that sort of stuff. Where, where Vince Carter has no room this entire game because the the Toronto Raptors have no three point shooters, like literally zero guys that can shoot a three. So it's so bad. Yeah.
0: Although in fairness, you know, I've been watching a decent amount of Milwaukee, Chicago, and uh, Washington, Toronto this uh, year. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's I was gonna say Washington, Toronto is a nice little throwback to the days of
1: uh, nobody being able to shoot threes. Yeah, Uh,
0: Bulls can shoot threes at least. Milwaukee, Milwaukee uh, would fit in. Oh, Milwaukee! Yeah, Milwaukee would be great. They they probably <laughs> this Milwaukee team would
1: probably win the two thousand one probably uh, Eastern Conference because yeah, cause, yeah they, they like yeah Giannis and uh, Michael Carter Williams bumping into each other not knowing where to go. Yeah, that's a, it's it's a pretty interesting dynamic there yeah. that, that Milwaukee has. But yeah, it, it was kind of fun to watch though because I have vivid memories of this game and I remember being really disappointed when when you know Vince Carter missed that shot and I was like hey, it'll be okay, he'll come back next year and no uh, well not really but. right. Either way. All right. Uh, next one on our list is the Boston Celtics Cleveland Cavaliers. It's from 2008. And oh, this is a really, really I'm fun French, game. Sorry. Oh, sorry. We, we, we skipped one. The- oh, sorry. I see it now. Sorry. I was scrolling up too much. Never mind. False alarm. <laughs> you got a hint. Uh, this is the order. Never mind. We're going to the Indiana Pacers New York Knicks. It's from 1995. Uh, 97-95 uh, Pacers victory. This one is famous. Um, well, this series is famous probably for, of course, the uh, Reggie Miller comeback um, you know, the infamous eight points in eleven seconds, and then the year before uh, had the um, you know the Reggie comeback while sniping at Spike Lee. Yeah. So you have a lot of interesting stuff yeah, there. This, this um, was
0: the third series in a row between the
1: teams, I believe. Right. So. And this is this is when they were just huge rivals. on the backs of those series. I mean, these guys were always in either the Easter Conference finals or the Easter Conference semis. It always seemed like a matchup would come on between these two, and they would always be really good games, really close matchups, and a lot, of course, a lot of bad blood between, you know, Reggie Miller, Spike Lee, Patrick Ewing, the whole Knicks culture at that time, the whole Indiana culture, the, you know, Small town Pacers versus the big town Knicks. I mean, it, it had everything you would want out of a storyline of like two teams. I mean, they're two completely different teams, and and just a lot of really fun stuff. I, I have vivid memories and, and, and good memories of of you know these 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 rivalries or whatever. But um, uh, this one is famous. The Pacers finally vanquished the New York Knicks. Uh, so much so, the uh, the Indiana Pacers announcer. I don't know if you watched that highlight video. Was insane when they won. Yeah. He said we're going to Disneyland, ding dong, the witch is dead. And I was like, oh, okay, guys, like there's a lot of playoffs to be played. Like yeah. you would think they just won the NBA final. Like honestly, I like and I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, you have to contain your excitement, but this guy was very excited that
0: they beat the Knicks. And 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 I get it, yeah. but like it was it was exciting. It, it had been like, very I, disappointing in the previous yeah. year for them to when they lost to the they lost to the Knicks <laughs> yeah. in the Eastern Conference finals the previous year. And it was you know it was very close. And it was you know, they, they could have won it in, um, I think they could have won it in game six at home, and then they, they failed to do so, and they lost it yeah. in, you know, in game seven in New York. One of those things. So. Uh, and of course, Winning Time, the, the 30 for 30 documentary,
1: yeah. you know, talks about all these it, things. And all it's these very good. And, uh, great, great documentary. Yeah. yeah, as well. If you haven't already seen it, which I think everybody in the world probably has, so I don't know why I'm telling you, because you probably well, didn't. Well, anyway. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not but if, if you haven't, please go it's watch it. It's on Netflix. Right now. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. All those third. I, I, they put the new ones up there, too. I saw the other day I was like browsing and the Christian Leitner one was already up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: Added nice. to the yeah.
1: list. Is that one any good? I haven't watched. that. Uh, one yet. I
0: watched a bit of it. I was it was OK. I kind of got a little bored, but um, I think oh, I God. think I fell asleep and then I never really went back to it. I mean, I, you know, it, like if you're really into college basketball, which I, I know you are not and I'm not. But yeah, but somebody who theoretically might be listening. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty interesting. And, and it kind of gets into the persona and some of the Duke like the myth versus the um, reality of him and sort of that, you know, Duke. But yeah, um, I, I didn't love her anything. So there's not
1: there's not an extensive breakdown of his NBA career. Or uh, is uh, that I mean, maybe
0: maybe they yeah. get to that, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know <laughs> I what you're talking about. But, that, but
1: yes, exactly. Yeah. That's
0: that's what I'm holding out hope for. But right. uh,
1: yeah. I, Probably shouldn't yeah. do that. So uh, this game, as well, is famous for the Ewing layup uh, that bounces off the back of the rim, and right. and you know a few good quotes, uh, you know about this. Derek Harper mentioned uh, it was like the seas opened up uh, when I saw him go up. I was thinking overtime, and we would have won it in overtime. So Derek Harper says, "Screw overtime, I don't care. We don't have to play. We're gonna win in overtime," but uh, unfortunately, it did not. Um, and then Ewing who who kind of to this day still says hey, I got a good play and it really is he's wide open like there's no reason he should have missed that really and like it, you know it's, it's one of those shots where if he was in a gym he'd probably make it 98 out of 100 times or something like that but uh, just in this case yeah. you know bounce off the rim he said I thought I made a great play getting to the hole uh, I thought it went in I thought I had it tied up uh, to see it come back out is so disappointing I was stunned I can't remember anything like this before
0: he had a calf injury um, so he couldn't quite get up as high as he normally would have like he probably <laughs> could have dunked it you know in normal circumstances but But so that, you know, was obviously uh, made a difference there. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is really a um, uh – an exciting um dude. and these teams were like really like deep teams you know like um they were i mean you know the the pacers had i mean they had rick smiths obviously Derek mckee the davises and then mark jackson was uh i think this was his first year on the pacers haywood brookman sam mitchell byron scott you know like i mean these teams just had like a lot of um you know pretty strong players the uh, the, the knicks as well you know obviously they have Ewing, starks and Oakley and Mason and, and Harper who had been brought on a couple, I think a year or two before and, you know, Charles Smith. I mean, they both, these both Greg Anthony, yeah. you know, they, they, yeah, they had a lot of really, oh, really Doug Christie played two minutes in this, uh, series. Oh, did he? I, I forgot about the Doug Christie mix. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So good times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you
1: know, this is as you mentioned, classic. You know, deep mid '90s Pacers as well. Uh, all five starters were in double figures. Uh, Reggie Miller had 29 points. Uh, Rick Smith had 19, and interestingly enough, Rick Smith took only one less shot than Reggie Miller. He took 17. Reggie Miller took 18. So this was a uh, feed the ball to Rick Smith's type game. <laughs> gotta, gotta feed the ball. Uh, and this, I believe, this was his career year too. I think he had uh, something like 17 points and nine rebounds this year. Like this was a really, really good year for Rick Smith, was kind of um, we always kind of forget that he, you know, he had a, a period where he was a pretty damn good player i mean we kind of I, I feel like he kind of gets laughed at a lot i don't know if he's just because he's a tall goofy kind of white guy but i don't know rick spitz is a damn good player right
0: uh yeah i mean he was fine um he actually, let's see. Um, yeah, he was seventeen and that was this year, correct? Uh, yeah, he was seventeen in uh in in seven. He, he wasn't really a very good rebounder for his size, I guess. Um, no, no, he was not very. Uh, bad. next year he was eighteen and seven. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was basically close to the peak of his career. I mean, he was always like 15, around fifteen, sixteen, seventeen point scorer, and mm-hmm. you know about about six, seven rebounds. So he should play around hit. thirty minutes or so. So I mean, that's you know solid production. Absolutely. Um, a few other things here. Um,
1: you know, Ewing. Uh, despite the late miss, where everybody kind of remembers him for that miss, otherwise he was great. In uh, the twenty-nine points, fourteen rebounds. Uh, Just had a really, really good game. And of course, that last shot, which, you know, if he made it, this would have been, you know, one of the games that we'd remember of, you know, a dominant Patrick Ewing or whatever. Um, You know, a few other things. uh, Four of the five Knicks starters, again, as you mentioned, the the depth of these two teams, four of the five Knicks starters had double digits. And Charles Oakley was the only one of those to not have double digit points. He had nine. So (laughs) I can't really take it away from him too much. And then uh, this is another interesting thing is this was the end of the Knicks. Somewhat as we know it of the mid-90s Knicks because the the day after uh, Pat Riley uh, resigned, uh, immediately following this game uh, via fax, <laughs> to take a job with the uh, Miami Heat. And, uh, you know, I'm, if there's one thing Pat Riley stands for, it's, uh, you know. It's integrity. I'm it's integrity. I mean, he, he, yeah, no. you don't sit there and smile no. when you have hidden agendas, yeah. Pat Riley. Right. You don't do that. He doesn't do that. Yeah. He, what he does is he quits the day after via fat, <laughs> to a team that apparently he didn't talk to prior to this game whatsoever. He just decided, immediately following this game, I'm going to call the Miami Heat and see if they would like me to be their head coach. It makes like, sense. <laughs> like, they did not talk beforehand, because that would be ridiculous. Yeah. So, you don't build a team that way either. You don't, like, have a secret meeting with a guy when he's still a member of another team. No, that would be tampering. That's what Pat Riley does. That would be tampering. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely don't do that. And Pat Riley doesn't tamper, yeah. god damn it. Can't tell where we're, we're uh, throwing shade at uh, Pat Riley maybe. in comments this week. Maybe. So maybe I, I yeah we're not. I don't want to say we're explicitly doing that. We might be. So maybe possibly beating around the bush. I don't know. Either way, yeah. So Pat Riley, in um, resigned. Uh, Reggie Miller, uh, super happy about this win and 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 the Pacers as mentioned. You know the ding dong the witch is dead. This was like you know slaying the monster of the New York Knicks. He said this is the biggest hurdle for us, uh, finally getting past the Knicks. We were not we're not overlooking Orlando because they would obviously go on to face Orlando. We're uh, we're all banged up. Uh, and they've been resting for four or five days. That's going to be tough, but we're there, and that's the most important thing right now. So to, to to Reggie Miller, this was kind of the NBA Finals for for them and the Indiana Pacers, because yeah. of course they would, would not defeat the Orlando Magic, but still a, a real interesting. You know, th- this it, it was nice to see them finally do it because it was sort of, and especially if you watch that winning time, you see the huge disappointment in Indiana. Had they had they never won this game and never beaten the Knicks in a series, it really would have changed the whole. I think a lot of what the Pacers were in the whole dynamic of Reggie Miller and all that sort of stuff. Because you know what I mean? Like it's – then they're just kind of a pesky little team that loses all the time. Yeah. And it's kind of – Where here they – Go ahead. Oh, no. Go ahead. I I was just going to say here they kind of legitimize themselves. Like, okay. You know what? They are a really – And then it shouldn't have been that way because, you know, they went to Eastern Conference Finals and I don't know if it was that way. But I I, I sort of kind of get that idea is, you know, if you can never really – them beating the Knicks was a big, big, big deal for them to become – you know you know uh, one of those teams or one of the big time teams in the league so yeah
0: it's interesting you know i i'd kind of forgotten but that the uh and pacers had the 99 and uh, 2000 series as well um you know th- th- those were kind of uh, different um those were you know, different um teams or, i mean they had reggie miller um it, i mean the, the pacers were very different they had rick smithson reggie miller pretty much the rest of the contributors were gone. Um, the, the Knicks, you know, they had Ewing for the uh, the, the first series. Like, yeah. yeah, I think he was traded. Uh, yeah, in two thousand. So, um, you know, they kind of revamped pretty much. But it, it's interesting. They were actually pretty good. You know, they they both kind of had a couple of they dipped down for you know a season or two in the late two thousands, but then or in the in the excuse me in the late nineties, and then they they uh, were pretty strong there. Um, in like you ninety know, nine two thousand. So I kind of forgot yeah. about that. -hmm. Yeah. All right. Anything more on that game? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay.
1: Cool. So I'll move on now to the uh, the one that I mentioned before, the Boston Celtics-Cleveland Cavaliers from 2008. And this one uh, is famous for a lot of reasons. And this is this is you know kind of getting into the history of the two franchises. This is of course the the first year of the Big Three of the Celtics of uh, you know Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett coming together. Uh, And this game was all Pierce versus LeBron. And this was LeBron taking a not so good Cleveland Cavaliers team. To the limit. I mean, really doing. All, I think all he could do with that team, yeah. and this is this is the famous, you know, um, you know they had, had Zoljunasigauskas, but in this particular game, Delonte West was the second high scorer for the Cavaliers, and that's probably not a good thing if that's the case. Uh, you know, Zoljunasigauskas I mentioned, uh, Ben Wallace, Wally Zerbiak, but really not a very deep yeah. team. You know, I had guys like you know Damon Jones and Joe Smith and those sort of guys, but it wasn't a great team
0: by any means. Yeah. All, all, and, 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 although it was actually a significantly better team than the uh, the, the previous year's team that yes, actually made the, the Drew yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they made a pretty savvy trade to get Ben Wallace and Delonte West and Wally Zerbiak. And those guys actually did help quite a bit. And, and then they later they you know, were able to get Mo Williams and um and you know put together actually a pretty uh, elite team. Because they actually, if I recall correctly, they actually really struggled early in this 08 season. And then they made the trade mm-hmm. and they were significantly better. You know, they were – it, it was a closer – the two teams were closer than you would think based on the uh, records.
1: Right, and then they would, um, you know, the next year they would win what sixty, a lot, 65, 60, something like that, or sixty-five somewhere. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was sixty-three or sixty-five, but yeah, this was kind of the halfway mark. Here is when they really kind of turned it on, and then they would become, you, you know, what we would kind of know as as the dominant sort of Lebron couldn't ever, you know, win the NBA Finals. But you know, this was the last year of what I would consider the truly, you know, quote bad Cavaliers teams that that Lebron really. Put on his back and really did a lot with. But as I mentioned, this was all Paul Pierce and, and LeBron James, and this this a lot of ways. And if a lot of the articles as well mentioned, this was very much the. It felt like a Larry Bird versus Dominic Wilkins type thing, where they were just going, you know, you know, Boston Celtic going, you know, you know, shot for shot with with you know LeBron James, and Cleveland, you know, obviously not in Atlanta Hawk, but you know, going shot for shot with those guys. It felt very much like that, where it was, and especially in the highlights, you get that too. It was like, okay, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, and then it, it was fun that way. Um, Kevin Garnett mentions that the plan before the game, and this is his quote: uh, uh, "You know, the plan for Game Seven was to get the ball, uh, get the ball to Paul Pierce, and get the hell out of the way." Uh, And and this, it it, it, interestingly enough, the tone was set very quickly because Pierce stole the ball from LeBron James in the opening possession and set the tone for the game in a lot of ways of just saying, "Okay, you know, I'm, I'm, this is my game, and and give me the ball." And and as Garnett said, "Just get the hell out of the way," and and it was perfect. Um, You know, LeBron James, you know, not discrediting what he did. Because uh, you know, obviously, the Celtics won this game, but not describing what LeBron did. He had forty-five points, six assists, five rebounds, forty-eight percent shooting. Uh, he was only three of eleven from three, though, so that he hadn't quite gotten you know efficient at that yet. That would be a few years before he would really become a, a, a pretty solid three-point shooter. Not that he's ever been you know great, but at least a little bit better uh, than this. Uh, he, interestingly enough, though, he got to the line nineteen times and made fourteen, so he was he was really this was the, the peak slashing LeBron years where he was just so so good at getting to the rim and, and and getting fouls and and going to the line. Um, the rest of the Cavaliers, as I mentioned, there's not much to show up, uh, and they definitely did not. Uh, Delonte West was the second-best scorer with 15. Uh, Big Z, uh, he went 2 of 8. And the rest of the team was, just as I mentioned, not very good, not really good scores. You know, guys like you know Ben Wallace, and, and, and at this point, Wally Zerbeck was really past his point. And, you know, Ben Wallace was never a scorer, so you weren't going to get that out of him. So uh, there was not a lot of help here for LeBron, and he kind of had to do it on his own. And the fact that he was able to get them to seven games and really get them... You know, to the limit, and it would have been interesting if he had sort of knocked out that big three before it ever really got started. You know that. Yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine what uh, what would have been written about uh, about Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett if, if if LeBron and that team you know knocked them out of the, the this round. But yeah,
0: I mean, there's a lot of I mean, there's a whole lot that changes with with that. I mean, you know, course, you know if if they manage to you know if, even if they lose in the next round of the Pistons or if they get to the finals, we get a um we get a Kobe LeBron finals. I think there's less urgency maybe in 09 and in, in 2010 with those playoff disappointments to keep panicking and adding guys. Like maybe they feel like LeBron has a little bit more confidence in the plan if 08 goes better, you know. If the Pistons go to the finals this year, maybe they don't trade Chauncey Billups, maybe their window extends another year or two. Um because that the Pistons were really mm-hmm. good that year too. I mean there's there's yeah, so yeah. much that um you know, um a lot of you we are thinking on a lot of people might change a lot um, with, you know, different result this game.
1: Certainly. Um, yeah, no, no, no absolutely. And, and the Celtics, of course, is um, led by Paul Pierce, who had one of the games of his life. 41 points on, um, you know, a little over 56 percent shooting, uh, five assists, two steals, four rebounds. Really good game from three as well. Four from six from three. Um Ray Allen, uh, believe it or not, did not do well. He uh, he went 1 of 6 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. Can you imagine a game where Ray Allen takes two threes and goes, ah, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> like, that's it for me. <laughs> Don't pass me the ball anymore, guys. I'm done. And that's what I mean. If, if the Celtics lose this, can you imagine, like... Ray, I mean, that, that just a nothing game right. from Ray Allen. Um, Garnett did okay, uh, but but Ray Allen really just kind of struggled and uh, surprising contribution as well. And when you watch the highlights, it's a, it's a shocking thing to everybody in the crowd and and to the announcers and to the Celtics bench that PJ Brown, yes, that PJ Brown uh, dropped ten points and six rebounds in only in only twenty minutes and it had a really good defensive play at yeah. the end of the game. Uh, LeBron, you know, with thirty seconds left, of course he has the ball in his hands, gets really close to the hole, has a pretty good play, passes it up, and then kind of tries to go baseline. Where he's met by P.J. Brown, who doesn't block the shot, but kind of sets it off stride, um, and then LeBron kind of misses it, and then you know Paul Pierce goes to the line, gets the rebound, goes to the line, uh, sinks a free uh, you know sinks a free throw or a pair of free throws, and you know kind of sets the game, um, you know get, get, gives the Celtics you know the advantage there, and, and that and you know that was the game that that was it, and yeah. it's, it's interesting enough you know we mentioned about all the differences you know LeBron hits that shot. Um, you know that changes a lot of stuff. PJ Brown. I mean, it's just it's crazy. That's what's so great about Game Sevens. That like you look at if PJ Brown doesn't like you know step up in defense or rotate over and LeBron gets an easy shot. Like, how does that change how Ray Allen is considered historically? So, you know what I mean? Like, that's what's so cool about Game Seven. Right. Yeah, is the way we look at it. It's like just a stupid little silly thing like that and you know Ray Allen is fine and you know the big 3 is this great triumphant thing that goes on to win the NBA finals and and these players have a legacy and they have the rings and all it, it's just yeah, i love it yeah. it's, it's it's why this is so fun they're doing the game 7 stuff um as far as this game um you know Dr. Jack Ramsey after the game said you know this was the game this is the one that elevated Pierce to the next level so what made him a superstar i i don't know about that but <laughs> I, well because i think yeah, he was already before yeah. I, I don't think this really was like oh okay but maybe people see it
0: now you know where they
1: didn't see it before right I mean, and, and there was questions too people forget there were in the early 2000s there was a lot of questions about what paul pierce you know what his motivations were how good of a leader he was yeah. all that sort of he stuff
0: some, you know then antoine walker career yeah you know him and antoine it, it wasn't a good thing. right i mean it was kind of the same some of the same stuff as vince carter only right, exactly. Pierce, you know, managed to overcome that reputation as a star. And, and Carter eventually did, but more as a role player. Yeah,
1: exactly and as lebron after the game said uh you know i love going against the best and paul pierce is one of those guys so lebron kind of putting uh paul pierce over and as mentioned the celtics went on to defeat the the detroit pistons in the eastern finals and then defeat the los angeles lakers in the nba finals uh the cavaliers went on to win 66 sorry games the next year and then losing the eastern finals uh the year after they won 61 but lost in the semis now it would the be lebron's last yeah. year yes to the celtics who then vanquished the uh the lebron cavaliers and Uh, I don't know what happened with LeBron after that, but I assume the Cavaliers went on to have a good run afterwards. So (laughs) they acquired the pieces that they needed and uh, went on to have a, uh, a good career with LeBron at the helm. So I, uh, I stopped watching basketball after that year, so I don't know what Yeah. So I, that,
0: I'll, I'll assume all is well in Cleveland. Sounds about right. Yeah,
1: I would not. Because I started watching again, and LeBron's on Cleveland, and they're in the playoffs again. So I assume all that time in between is it was all For good. During that four-year gap,
0: cool. he must. <laughs> right? Why yeah. would he leave Cleveland? That would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, like, yeah. his hometown. Are you, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? Like, where would he go? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so our next, uh, next choice is, uh, the, the Bucks and the 76ers in, uh, 1986, uh, 113 to 112. The Bucks actually win the uh, series. And the reason that I picked this one is, um, it's more kind of cumulative of the, um, the Bucks and the, um, and the Sixers I played like um, f- five series um, with the uh, 76ers um, th- dating back to 81, which they had another great um, semifinal series that sort of, you know, began their uh, rivalry kind of capped off with the famous Easter Sunday game seven in uh, Philadelphia that the uh, Sixers won. So this is kind of the – this is sort of a little bit the end of the line for that rivalry for Dr. J Sixers. He would retire um, – uh in another year. Um Barkley was the uh, fresh star for the uh, Sixers. They uh still had Maurice Cheeks was chugging along, but obviously it was getting older. Bobby Jones was, you know, nearing the end of the line. Um both um Andrew Toney had suffered a, you know, basically a career ending injury. He played a little bit, but it was never the same. Uh, Moses Malone was out for the series. So, so the Sixers were, uh, were very thin. They actually dusted off Bob McAdoo and tried to get him on their <laughs> bench, but that didn't work out so well. And, and, like literally dusting him off. because yeah. <laughs> This is an old Bob McAdoo. It was. Voice, yes. Though. And the, uh, the six, the, the, Bucks had kind of sort of transitioned from like the, you know, the Marquez Johnson led team to, uh, you know, Terry Cummings, Sidney Moncrief was that was still there. Um, they also had Paul Pressey and um, Ricky Pierce and Craig Hodges of all. I, I had no idea yes. he had actually played for the uh, Bucks before, you know. And pretty prominent role, too. Yeah, yeah he, he actually hits the game winner in this uh in this game with 29 seconds left before that, basically the, uh, the Bucks had, uh, the, the Sixers gone on a 14 to four run. And then it was a one point game for the final three minutes. And, uh, they're in Milwaukee. Um, and then the Sixers have the ball with seven minutes, seconds remaining, but Julius Irving misses 16 footer, Ricky Pierce falls on the loose ball. And then Barkley falls on top of Pierce. And, uh, and, and that's it. So, um, uh, but I, I, what I found also very interesting is um, there's an LA Times article about it, and Sidney Moncrief says it will be difficult to erase the memory of losing four of the past of the previous five years to Philadelphia, including last season's four game sweep. It's all in the past. All we can deal with is 1986. Um, but I don't think people are going to forget the years prior 1986. So it, it, it's sort of interesting how like the I don't know if it's regrets or or whatever like everything because I sports like feels like so much in the moment. It's like okay, if I get a victory in this moment, it vindicates the other ones in a way. Right. But that you know it's interesting for Moncrief to th- not really have that mentality um, here. I mean, I'm sure he was obviously happy, but. um But, you know, this was, again, the third time in four years for the Bucs in the Eastern Conference Finals. And they were, they ended up playing, of course, one of the best teams of all time, the 86 uh, Celtics. That didn't work out so well for them um, in that series either. But, uh, you know, we've mentioned before, but it's always worth mentioning the, you know, the Bucs are, um, Kind of because of just, um, you know, the great Sixers, the great Celtics and later the great Pistons teams, the uh, the Bucks to a lesser extent. The Hawks are kind of, you know, completely forgotten as, you know, really strong Eastern Conference uh, powers for, you know, in in the Bucks case, basically the whole decade for the Hawks case, more the latter part of the decade. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So it's a shame, but. We have we we haven't done that. We're, we were going to do a podcast one of these days about the 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 forgotten franchises or whatever the real good you know forgotten franchise. I, I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, you know, one. like
0: yeah, kind of like the not not dynasty. Oh, the forgotten dynasties yeah, or whatever. Not, yeah, 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 not quite dynasty, but but yeah, the, that sort of that idea. Yeah, I think mean, we've 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 definitely uh, tossed a, a few variations of that around. So it, yeah, I, I look forward to doing uh-huh. that because yeah, it'd be fun to because because I think
1: I and I think we're doing a good job of that because I think we we bring them up the books pretty much on a day on a episode basis. But yeah, I mean it's it's it's. Again, we talk about circumstances, we talk about little games here and there like there's just a few things that could have changed, you know, if the Bucs just get to one NBA finals yeah. it changes a lot well, of stuff. You know,
0: it you know, doesn't happen or, but you know. Interesting thing that the Bucks swept the um Celtics in 83. Um, you know, uh, and then lost to the 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals, but um, you know, like that I think maybe, yeah, sort of turned a um, mm-hmm. turned some heads in you know the Celtics and got them you know a little more serious and in Bird in particular I think um, kind of was um, you know uh, I think they traded Rick Roby and then the uh, the fun that Larry Bird was having started to reduce and it was you know Bird was always serious and dedicated but I think even more so after that um, series supposedly you know from from some of the reading I've done so. Um, but yeah, it is interesting stuff. And then, uh, you know, speaking of uh, some what ifs uh, is we go to our uh, number one series and uh, probably not a surprise for uh, students of NBA history, but it is the uh, Celtics and Hawks Uh 1988, uh, the famous back and forth duel that you yep. alluded to before, Dominique Wilkins and Larry Bird. Wilkins, uh, he had 47 points in all, 16th in the fourth quarter, and Bird had 34, but 20 in the fourth quarter. So, and it is just like incredible to watch both these guys. it, it is very much like back and forth. And
1: yeah, I was gonna say when you talk about back, and forth, sometimes we overuse that. We but this is actually like okay, <laughs> like you scored now me okay okay. It is very much like his turn, my turn, his turn. I mean, it's, it, you know, we, we we overuse that term for like a game where two guys are both doing well, but this is really like the personification of, you know, uh, a back and forth.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, I would argue that this is the most famous game in Atlanta Hawks history. Um, and uh, they, they were actually, they were down to, then they won uh, three in a row, including game five in Boston, which was kind of the first sign. It's like, oh, wow, this... Um, Team might be um, pretty good. There's a um, there's a Peachtree Hoops post uh, talking about, um, you know, actually the um, the Hawks were both top four teams in SRS that season. And even though they were only playing the second round, it, it was a little bit like the uh, the Spurs and the Clippers this year in the first round, where like two teams that you know could be title contenders just happened to be matched up, you know, early on in the um, in the playoffs. And uh, Bird was second in per, Dominique was was fifth in PER. Um So. You know, I mean, the Hawks certainly um, were a really good team here. You know? I mean, it wasn't just a, kind of a fluke. They took them to seven games. I mean, they really did test them. It really was. It, it took everything the Celtics had, you know, even though the Celtics were obviously, you know, Bird was starting to deal with the injuries Um and they were not quite as strong as they were in their peak. But, you know, they still had the big three. You, um, Mikhail delivers here with 33 and 13. Um, Doc Rivers had 16 points, 18 assists. And Randy Whitman had 22 points for the Hawks. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and then was promptly traded in the offseason afterwards. He, would, he <laughs> uh, had a, a sarcastic... Uh, Quick for that but basically yeah i mean the um you know breaks down um uh you know bird hits a, a three from the corner for a seven point lead with about a minute 44 left and then uh wilkins hits a jumper from the circle then later makes two free throws cutting it down to 112 109 with 44 seconds left then like bird like beats um just, I mean, this definitely shows uh wilkins's lack of uh, defensive chops because bird just makes a pretty Bird. Blow by you. yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he he actually blew by him and then Kevin Wilson was too late to uh, block the shot and then um but Wilkins actually missed a dunk but was able to get a put back to uh, get it back to three and then um then there's sort of a controversial goaltending call with on Doc Rivers on Danny Ainge um and um. It, Doc Rivers, when he was coach of the Celtics, said he that he later got Tommy Heinsohn to admit that it was not really a goaltender. You know, of course, Tommy <laughs> Heinsohn being the ultimate Celtics, Homer. And um, <laughs> with one second left, Dominique uh, goes to the line. They're trailing by three. He makes the first, and he intentionally misses the second, and it goes to a Hawks player. But he's not able to get the uh, shot off before the um, buzzer, and the Celtics win uh, one eighteen to one sixteen. So um yeah i mean it, it's it's really this one is definitely i mean you know um i think between this and, and this and the um the pierce um pierce lebron duel it has the best video to kind of showcase you know like the, yeah, the, the, yeah the exciting stuff that uh is going on here and then the uh uh, you know, the Celtics ended up losing uh, in the conference finals to um, the uh, the Pistons, which ended a four game or, or a, a four um, final streak of them. You know, they were in four straight finals uh, and basically, you know, never really got to that point again. Uh, and the Hawks, you know, kind of they ended up trading. They they, they trade Tree Rollins and Randy Whitman and they added Moses Malone and Reggie Theus, which like on paper was necessarily a bad move, but it just kind of wreck their chemistry because you know, they had a couple of years in a row where they, you know, had mid 50 wins teams. I mean, they yeah. like if they had chartered a better course might've been able to actually, you know, be like a, uh, you know, a, a title contender, but although, you know, they, they probably weren't going to be if they, even if they won this series, they probably weren't going to be beating the, um, the Pistons in the next round. But, but still, I mean, I, I do think they had a, um, a higher ceiling that, um, you know, unfortunately, for them, was not a, and for me as a Hawks fan, was not able to be uh, accomplished uh, because of the uh, result here. But Larry Birdman is yeah. hard to beat.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a tough guy, and you would kind of assume adding, you know, and I, I get there just you know adding Moses Malone and Reggie Theus, you're like, okay, let's go, like that's that's a huge upgrade. But as you mentioned, sometimes chemistry and just those guys yeah. fitting their roles works perfect because yeah, you yeah. that's a huge net gain just on paper. You look at those two guys, and go, oh wow, now we're ready. But right, but, eh. but
0: Theus was kind of like an empty scorer, and Moses was exactly right. you know was was 36 at this at, well, actually only 33, but he he had a lot of miles on him at this point, so. They sound better than they really were for that team, yeah. In a sense, like
1: especially a guy like Theus, like you mentioned, he he. You look at his numbers and they're pretty gaudy, and you look at you know. But yeah, as you said, it's empty stuff. It, it doesn't work in the flow of an offense and stuff. But yeah, it's it's it, it's, it, it. You know, we mentioned about those game sevens. I think that's the thing that that we're gonna find out as we keep going on throughout this series is just how how different it becomes after that. If if you know if one game is different. They don't trade those guys probably, or maybe they still do, but who knows? You know, it's just so interesting to see how one game can so much. You know alter a team and, and and how people can feel like they're so close to getting somewhere and then just not quite there and how how much more disappointing that can kind of become you know we look at the you know the Raptors of Vince Carter had they lost in five games, it might not have been a big deal, but the fact that they were that close and they were just one shot away and it, it's, it, it just adds it, it adds a whole yeah. different element because it, it's not like you it 's not like okay well you know what hey they were the better team It was like no, we were right there and like a lot of and the games that we picked of, especially these ones are all close games these are all super close games that either team could have won at any point during the and and then, yeah, you look at just the franchises changing and altering so much based off that, you know, a few minutes, a few possessions, a few points, you know, one game. It's, it's, it's going to be fascinating and, and, and even more so as we go on. But I thought the early rounds was particularly interesting because you see a lot of teams where, you know, in the NBA finals, you go to seven games, you lose. Yeah, OK, whatever. We got there. But this one is I, the early rounds and, and in the semis, a lot of ways, too, is like, OK, now we have to retool because we're right there, but not quite there. And you see that almost with every single team here that loses. And then, you know, the opposite with every team that wins is where a lot of times the teams that win just kind of keep going on. And, and a lot of times they've went on to have a pretty good, you know, dynasty or whatever. You know, they would they'd be consistently good. So that was it was pretty fun to, to kind of look back at these early rounds.
0: Yeah, it's almost like if you like if if you come that close, there's almost like a more of a pressure to change things because you yeah. feel like there's just that like, like oh, if you're, you're one piece away, one you're thing, you know, and right. that. Like the Hawks
1: were just the Moses Malone and Reggie Theus away from, okay, now we're going to, yeah. you, you know. And then, like, yeah, every single one of those teams. You know, Toronto, you know, made big changes the next year. We talked about that. The, You know, the Cavs, obviously, they made, you know, big changes after that. It's it just every team that we've talked about, the ones that lose, always seem to do something afterwards. Like, we're okay, we just, just one more thing, and then we got it. But a lot of times it doesn't work out that way. Right, but yeah. They're very interesting. Exactly. So,
0: all right, Rich. Well, uh, you got anything else to uh, say about the early round game sevens? I do not. know. I'm ready to, uh,
1: I'm excited to see how the, the rest of this kind of series goes. And, and if people, if you have games in either of those that we might have missed or ones that you would like us to talk about or, you know, a certain moment or, or memory of any game sevens in the playoffs, let us know. We'll, we'll talk about them on the podcast. We'll, you know, retweet you all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I think it's important because everybody sort of has a, a game seven I mean, that you, you, it's so much easier to remember a game seven. We remember series as a whole and remember moments, but I know watching back on these highlights and, and, and stuff, we, we just so vividly remember game seven. Because they're just so much fun to watch. They're, everything is on the line, like you know what I mean. And so you, you, every possession, every play is like hypersensitive. So I think, I, I think it's a lot easier to remember a, a game seven in your history that you love versus, you know, a, a random game five that you liked. You might know a game for a certain highlight, but I feel like game sevens you know for being a game seven and you know certain stuff from it. So if you have one that you liked, one of your favorites, anything like that, please over and back NBA.
0: Yes, it, like yeah, we're on the Twitter as uh, as uh, Rich mentioned, <laughs> we also have. Uh, Facebook, and uh, you can f- you can find us um, at the uh, dot is our home. Uh, we also have a iTunes feed. We're part of the uh, HP uh, Basketball Network, the uh, Harvard Paroxysm Basketball Network. So um, check us out on uh, iTunes, and uh, you know, leave a uh, we'd love it if you left a, a rating and review of uh, not just us, but of all the great podcasts that are um, on the feed. Did some really great stuff um, previewing the playoffs and yeah. there's there's a, there's a lot of fun shows on there, so uh, we're proud to be part of it. And um, I forget anything. What is that? Uh, I think you got it. I think we're done. all right. Cool. Well, uh, thanks everyone for uh, checking us out, and we'll be back soon.